Thank you very much. Um, it's great to be here with you this morning. Um, this is part two of a series called Give God Your Best. And Ben spoke last week a brilliant message about giving God your best. And one of the things that I particularly loved about what he said was that his best is different to my best, which is different to your best, which is different to your best or, which, or the person next to you. And so that means that everybody can take something away from this message this morning. And that's my intention. I may be talking about my personal experiences, and I'll tell you a few stories, some of which I probably shouldn't, um, but I'll pay for those later, I'm sure. Um, but my intention is for you to take something away, because when it comes to giving God your best, and we're talking specifically this morning about loving like we've never loved before, I believe that God's calling us to a new level. Whatever level you're currently at, God is calling you to a new level, to, calling you to expand and to increase in your intention. But to start with, I want to ask you a question. Is there anything in your life, currently or in the past, that you feel like you can never get enough of? Or you felt like you can never get enough of? There's a variety of different possibilities that, that may spring into your mind at this moment in time. The most common one is money, which is the point of view where everybody thinks that they could always have a little bit more money. How much money would it take for you to be happy? Just a little bit more than I've got now is the general kind of consensus. But I find that with money... My opinion seems to be that I can never have enough money, but everybody else, or certainly other people that I see, generally have too much money. You'll see things on Facebook, or you'll see things online, or you see things on TV that people have spent money on, and you think, that's just ridiculous. They've clearly got far too much money. But yet, I can never have quite enough. Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream is something that you can never have too much of. From a desire point of view, from a physical fitness kind of point of view, yes, you probably should have none of it at all. Um, but we may have eaten a pot last night. But it's, it's fine. It's good. Um, there are certain things in life that you can feel like you can never have enough of. And I think that our kind of experience with love is a little bit like that. Nobody ever thinks that they have had too much love or they can never have or they don't want any more love at all. Do you know what? Actually, I've had enough love in my life now. That's it. I don't want any more. We might sometimes say we've had enough of love, but that's a different thing, really. We're not talking about love as such. We're talking about that experience of love or that kind of love, whatever that kind of love happens to have been. But you never really hear of people saying that they've, they've, had, enough, they've had too much love. You don't go to funerals, for example, and listen to somebody talk about the person who's died and said, you know, they're a really great guy, absolutely fantastic, did loads of things. But to be honest, they were just a little bit too loving, just a little bit too much love in their life. Could have done with a little bit less. Just dialed it back slightly. You know, why is Ben the way that he is? He was clearly loved too much as a child. <laughs> that sort of, it just doesn't happen. We don't have that kind of general experience um, of love. Um, and we're talking about um, love like you've never loved before. And the question that kind of struck me was, how do I actually quantify that? What does that mean? Because love is one of these kind of... Uh, ethereal kind of feeling type things or um, emotions or yes we do loving things and we can do things to express our love but I can do those things and not actually love the person I can do something nice for somebody and not actually have love as my intention because it could be all about me and not all about them so how do we actually quantify love so I did quite a dangerous thing I asked my wife I said darling if I was to love you like I've never loved you before, what would that look like? <laughs> right. It's a dangerous moment. It's a dangerous moment in a relationship. 
could have gone one of several ways. Uh, one way it could have gone was, well, I'm not sure you ever have really loved me. She didn't say that. She didn't say that. It's all good. Um, she could have said, well, you'll just have to try it and find out. She didn't say that either. What she did say was, to be honest, I think we'd probably both find it a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Which I wasn't sure how to take that. Um, but actually... There is a part of that that maybe sometimes rings true, that sometimes with love, and when you're talking about loving like you've never loved somebody before, maybe it is about what makes you a little bit uncomfortable, or certainly what takes you outside of your comfort zone, or what you're used to. Because we're talking about what our experience has been. You know, I can love somebody like I've never loved them before, but that'll be different from how somebody else has loved before, what capacity you've got to what your experience of love has been. And each of us has had a different experience of love or what we've perceived as love over the course um, of our life. And sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable because deep down, I think sometimes we realize that um, part of love is tied actually to who we are or kind of the state of who we are on the inside. And that can be a little bit uncomfortable. It can make us a little bit uncomfortable. So what are we actually talking about? Well, Song of Songs is a fascinating book in the middle of the Bible, right? Um, it's basically a love poem in the middle of the Bible. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read all of it. If you haven't read Song of Songs, I do encourage you to go and read it. There are some hilarious parts to it um, and some fascinating parts of Scripture as well. But we're going to read from just a few um, verses in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 4 has a recurring theme that goes round. And this is, remember, this is a love poem, okay? Um, and it says, All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares, and I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him, would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house to the room of the one who conceived me. When there's a recurring theme in the Bible, when the Bible repeats itself, sometimes you've got a question, is God trying to tell us something through that? The one my heart loves. There is a connection between love and your heart. Not just the kind of physical pumping blood around your body kind of thing, but your actual heart, who you are on the inside. There's a connection between love and your heart. 1 John 4.16, Paul um, kind of quoted part of this um, chapter earlier on, but it says, uh, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. So love is, part, is, is connected to your heart. There's a relationship between your heart and love. There's a relationship between love and how you choose to live your life or how you live. Now, you may well say, yes, Tim, we know that. That's fairly obvious. But here's the uncomfortable bit. What if my capacity to love is affected by or potentially even dictated by the state of my heart? Or what if it's affected by or dictated by how I choose to live my life or the choices that I live my life because suddenly that puts a responsibility on me. That makes it a little bit more personal. And yes, I'm, I, I would describe myself as a loving person and I'm sure all of you would as well. Um, not describe me as a loving person, but you know, describe <laughs> yourself as a loving person. Thanks. Um, but 
sometimes we have to kind of examine the choices that we make about how we live our life and think, well, actually, is this helping me love other people or is this more about me? And so we're going to talk about um, the capacity or your capacity for love. And we've already established that your capacity for love is different to my capacity to love is different to everybody else's capacity to love. So this is personal. And please keep it personal. Don't make it about the person sitting next to you, whatever you think their capacity for love actually happens to be, um, or whoever you've come with, or whatever relationship you're in. This is about you, okay? So, I believe that God wants to enlarge your capacity for love. I believe he wants to enlarge your capacity for love and your capacity to love. So, both to receive his love and to give out love to other people. And in terms of how we measure that, the, the Bible talks about a variety of different um, kind of stories or images or, or ways that it talks about what comes out of your life. And if, if we're going to be loving people, then we kind of want to see something as evidence of it. And we want to see a benefit in our, in our relationship. We're going to love like we've, we've never loved before. We want to see a benefit in our relationships at home and work and all of the people that we interact with because we want to see some fruit from it. The Bible uses this kind of recurring theme throughout of, of living lives that produce fruit. And Jesus talks about it all the time, about bearing fruit. Um, John 15, 5 to 9 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are burnt, picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. We're talking about bearing fruit or producing something, having a life that actually produces something, a tangible effect on the people around you. You want to make a difference to the people around you. I hope. Probably that's one of the reasons why you're here, is that you want to go out from here and make a difference to the people that you encounter during the week. So we're talking about lives that bear, bear much fruit. Psalm 92, 12 to 15 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. What we want is a life that's not going to just bear fruit in the short term. We want to bear fruit in the long term. Something's going to impact our children, the people that we work with, everybody that you encounter long term. Not just a nice feeling for today, but actually a better life for tomorrow. That's what we're after and that's what we're talking about. So how do we actually do that? Well, like I said, the Bible uses a couple of different analogies for being fruitful in life. And we'll come across another one in Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54.1 says this, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. This is talking about a life that bears fruit. It's a different analogy. It's talking about producing children rather than actually bearing fruit like plants do. But it's, a di it's the same thing. It's talking about a life that produces something of joy, something of peace, something of love. It doesn't have to be actual children. It's just that's what you're producing with your life. So how do we do that? Verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. 
Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. If you want to be fruitful in life, if you want to produce something of joy, of peace, of love, if you want to love like you've never loved before, there's an action involved. You have to enlarge the place of your tent. You have to enlarge your capacity. You've got to stretch out left, right, prepare for what God is wanting to do in your life. I believe that God is wanting to do something in your life. I believe he wants to do something in this church over the next few months. And I believe that we need to have a process of stretching out and creating some space, creating an increasing capacity, ready for what God is ready to do and willing to do. Remember, your love is limited, but his love is limitless. There is no end to the love of God. There is no end to the promises of God. He has such a desire to pour good things into your heart, to pour good things into your life. And whatever you feel your capacity is now, he wants to give you more. If life is hard, he wants to give you more. If life is great, he wants to give you more. He wants to increase your capacity and expand it. So, what do I actually mean by that? Well, I'm going to draw onto the board and wow you with some artwork. I say wow you with some artwork. This is the extent of my artwork. It's good. It's kind of postmodern, slightly simplistic. Um, it's not quite central, if you've noticed. Uh, that's deliberate. It's all good. And this is your life. Okay? This is the extent of your life, or my life, or whoever's life we're talking about, right? And that is your capacity to love. What you have surrounding your life are limitations. Things that, will, that you'll hit up every so often because we have a capacity to love within this area here, okay? We can love up to a point, and we do, and we love the people around us. We love our family. We love our kids. And, but we all know that we get to a point where actually it's really quite difficult to express the love that we feel so intensely on the inside. And often that's because we butt up against limitations or we come across things that we find as restricting or what I want to term as limiting factors, okay? And that can be all sorts of different things. It can be um, fear. Fear can be one of them. It can be anger. There can be bitterness. Or there can be dot, 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 insert your limiting factor here, okay? Whatever you tend to butt up against when you find that it's difficult to love people around you or you find that actually there's, there's something in your heart that's just not quite right, that when you're trying to love and you're trying to, you, you really, really want to be loving to the people that you encounter, there's something there, there's just something in the way. And some of you may well be aware of what your dot, dot, dot actually is. Some of you may not. And that's okay. We don't really have time to go into each one of the possible limiting factors that we're going to do today. So essentially, I'm not trying to solve everybody's problems this morning. What I'm trying to do is start you on a journey to expand your capacity. So we'll come back to that in a second. Um, I want to just talk a little bit 
about fear this morning. Fear may be something that is pervading the country right now. And it is a limiting factor on your ability to love other people. At these moments, if you return to the promises of God, God says, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. For perfect love drives out all fear. The answer to fear, love like you've never loved before. When it's hard, when it's difficult, when you don't understand, love like you've never loved before. Return back to it. If you're not sure what your limiting factor is, though, some of these things are obvious, um, and some of them we don't even realize that we have. Um, But generally, these are the things that will come out of us when life is tough, when life is difficult. That's what tends to come out, what your reaction tends to be. The Bible says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said that in Luke chapter 6. Sometimes when it's difficult and when it's stressed and when everything's going wrong, there's something that comes out of you that the Bible says is what you speak actually gives you an indication of what the state of your heart is. That's what you need to deal with. That's your limiting factor. Sometimes we reveal what's in our heart um, without even realizing it. Um, If you, what I'd like to do is start just with a step. Like I say, I'm not trying to solve issues. Potentially I'm raising more issues, I realize that. Um, So I'm raising issues for the church to have to deal with, but that's okay. It it will ultimately end up with expanding your capacity for love, so it's all good. Um, But I'd like to start with a first step, which I'd like everybody to do. Because remember, no one's exempt from this. Everyone has a limiting factor. So, I'd like you to start by praying a slightly dangerous prayer, which is, God, what is my limiting factor? Now, remember, this doesn't have to be a down thing. This isn't getting at you. This isn't saying, why have you got real issues within your life? It's just that we've all got a ceiling. We've all got a capacity. Our love is limited, but his love is limitless. Okay? So, God just wants to remove that ceiling that limiting factor. So what is your limiting factor? Some of you don't even need to pray that prayer because you already know. Uh, some of you, if you're still not sure and, you've, uh, and you're married and you've come with your husband or wife, ask them. They probably know. Um, they will probably know what, uh, what comes out of you when it's difficult and when life is, is tough. Um, but really, what limits my capacity to love? What is it that gets in the way? And then remember that God is wanting to remove that limitation. And even if it seems impossible, God is able to do it. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Whatever your weakness is, whatever your limiting factor is, God wants to remove it. And the reason why I've drawn this in the middle is because all of this space around the outside is God's capacity for love. This is your capacity here, okay? But we can remove those limitations. And if we do that, there is a potential for increase. Now, you're not going to solve all of your problems all in one go, necessarily. But we're starting on a journey. What is your limiting factor? What do you need to deal with? There'll be opportunities for prayer afterwards, I'm sure, and there'll be time for you to kind of reflect and and come back to these things over the coming few weeks. But starting point, recognizing your limitation. And if you want to love like you've never loved before, you need to lose the limitations. You're going to have to get rid of what is there, preventing you from moving forward.
The other thing that potentially happens with our lives is we tend to fill them up. And we fill them up with all sorts of different stuff. And you will have all sorts of different things that are going on in your life. Um, You can fill them up with family, which is a good thing to have in your life. You can fill it up with guilt. You can fill it up with work. You can fill it up with all sorts of different things. Okay? That is a possibility of things that fill your life. So we've got limiting factors on our life and things that fill your life. And sometimes, if we get too full of stuff, you can find that you've got barely any room to actually love other people because it almost feels like you're bursting at the seams with all this stuff. And you'll find that you get home at the end of the day and you're just thinking about something else that's going on. And when you've got that opportunity to demonstrate love to your kids or demonstrate love to your family or demonstrate love to whoever it is that's in your life, that something else comes out. And normally that tends to manifest itself as an excuse. Okay? It's generally things like, I'm just too tired, I'm too stressed, I'm too hungry, I'm too angry, I'm too hangry-tired, if you're Ben. I've got whatever your two is, okay? Whatever your two is, Ben, ben came up with a, a new phrase of hangry-tired, which is hungry, angry, and tired all at the same time. Because um, so, he's got a greater capacity for those things, so it's all good. Um, but whatever your two is, whatever your too much is, generally that's generally an indicator that you need to create some space in your life. And there's all sorts of things about creating space in your life when it comes to money, creating margin, not living up to the edge of your means, not living up to to the edge of your means when it comes to time, not burning the candle at both ends. We all know that sort of stuff. But you can't live rammed up against your limitations your entire time. You may get short-term gains, and we've all kind of got um, tensions to manage when it comes to that, because I've got a job, like many of you will have a job, and sometimes you have to ram yourself up against the limitations to be able to hit deadlines and all that, and I understand that. But it's a tension to manage, and sometimes we have to create space. Um, My wife and I are about to add a fourth child to our family. Uh, It's due in a month, uh, or three weeks, three weeks. Three weeks, or any day now, basically, is what I'm, what I'm being told. Um, and uh, it's kind of a little bit like you've got to create some space for a new child. This, is off, this will be the fourth child in our household, um, which will make life very interesting. Um, we've had to create some space. We created physically. We've had to create, move to a new house. We kind of moved to a new house and then decided to have another child and all of that sort of stuff. But one thing leads to another. Um, and then... We've got a room for the child, and we've got a bigger car so that we can fit all the car seats in and all of that sort of stuff, which is fine. And the physical stuff, yeah, there's a cost to it, but you, you get there. It's, it's all right. Um, the emotional stuff and the time and the energy and everything else. We have three children at the moment. Uh, they are eight, four, and 15 months. 15 months? Good memory. like it. I hope you're impressed. I am. Um, they take up a lot of time and energy. Um, and sometimes you feel like, I don't really have anything else to give. <laughs> I, I don't know if we can cope with another one. Um, we will, because it's life, and it's fine, and it's all good. Um, but sometimes you do get to that point, you feel like you haven't really got anything else, and you haven't got any more space, and you haven't got any more time. And it's about expanding your capacity. And sometimes God puts you in a position where you haven't really got a choice, like we are. Um, but you create space. And it's interesting because there's always a cost to it. 
And the cost for us, obviously we're going to have four kids, the cost for us is going to be time to ourselves. It's going to be energy. It's going to be sleep. It's going to be all sorts of different things of just adding another child and trying to um, bring that child up in, in as loving a manner as we possibly can at three in the morning when it's screaming the place down and woken all the other kids up. But we're believing that God will expand our capacity to do that, or certainly his grace will be sufficient for us to, uh, to get through. Um, but there is always a cost. And often the cost when it comes to love is about um, sacrificing yourself. Not sacrificing yourself, but your self. And we know that because 1 Corinthians 13 um, is one of the, the most amazing chapters talking about love in the Bible. But verses 4 to 5 specifically say this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Now I know that that requires sacrificing myself because when I focus on myself, I know that I'm not patient, I'm not kind, I do envy other people, I do boast about myself, I am proud, I do dishonor others, generally speaking, um, I do seek myself and I am generally a little bit easily angered when I'm all concentrated um, on myself and I do keep a record of wrongs. So to love other people You've got to sacrifice yourself. Actually, love is all about putting somebody else at a higher value than you. That's why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. That's why Jesus died on a cross for your sins, because he placed your life at a higher value than his own. And we know that God is love. And those who live in love live in God and God in them. And that's what we want in our lives. That's what we want for our children. That's what we want for the people around us. That's what we want for our communities and our nation is for them to know that God is love. And to do that, we're going to need to sacrifice part of our self and actually take a step back. We talk about creating space. You create space in your body every single time you take a breath. We're called Breathe City Church. To breathe, you create space inside your chest. You contract muscles, you, your ribs move up and out and create space. And what that does is it decreases the pressure inside you and increase, makes the pressure outside more than the pressure on the inside. You need to create space to allow what is outside of you in this area here God's love, God's limitless love, to come in and fill you. You have to create some space. Decrease the pressure on you. Increase the pressure from God. John the Baptist put it like this. He must increase and I must decrease. Create some space. Clear out the clutter. You have to lose the limitations and clear out the clutter. Remember, not all of these things are bad. But some of them, you could probably do without. What is it that's cluttering up your life that you can get rid of, create some space, and allow God to pour more of his love in to increase your capacity? Remember, this is for the long term. We want to bear fruit into old age. Short-term gains sometimes equal long-term hurt. What we want to do is build for the long term. And that means being intentional. And that's why this is not a quick fix this morning. Because it's going to take some time and some thought and some prayer and some of God revealing to you what you personally um, do or what, or what you need to clear out. Hebrews 12, 
verse 1, says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Throw off everything that gets in the way. Not everything, just everything that hinders. What is it that's holding you back? What is it that's a limiting factor? What is it that you need to remove and create some space to allow God to increase his pressure and allow you to expand? Remember, your love is limited, but his love is limitless. Lose the limitations. Clear out the clutter. Allow God to pour in to your heart. You know, if you don't know God or you don't know this love, uh, you've never invited Jesus into your life, um, and you're thinking, do you know what, actually, I I just need more love in my life. I just need more of of this God, whoever this God happens to be. I need more in my life. I need to clear out some clutter. Um, Then please come and chat to us at the front. Come and speak to one of us. Come and talk to one of us at the front or there'll be people in the welcome team at 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 the back or whoever you've come with. If you've come with somebody and you just feel like you need more of love, then speak to her. Speak to us. Don't let this opportunity pass. This is an opportunity for you to start your journey, to increase your capacity for love, to allow God to decrease the pressure on you. Whatever, all this stuff that's causing all this pressure, allow God to decrease that pressure but increase his love coming in from the outside. And we'd love to pray with you and we'd love to help you invite Jesus into your heart. So take that opportunity. Don't let it pass. Can I pray for you just before we go? I'd like to pray um, a Bible verse over you because it seems so apt for this moment. And it's from Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 which says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, I pray that you fill us to the measure of fullness that you have. Father, not whatever our limitations are, but God, that you increase our capacity. Father, as we start this journey, God, I pray that you will reveal to us our limitations and our limiting factors, but God, will you help us to deal with those? I pray that you put people around us as we go out into this week, as we go out from this morning. Father, you put people around us that will help us to deal with those things that we need to. That whether it seems possible or not, you will help us to create space. That we will find a way to allow more of you and less of us.